0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. We are going through a series on Luke right now, and today we find ourselves in a classic Classic anxiety passage, which a lot of us deal with. Uh, everybody, in some sense, deals with anxiety. Some of us deal with it more than others, and uh, it's always good when the Bible addresses this for us. is going to put this passage right in the Sermon on the Mount, but Luke saves it for a little bit later. Luke tells a parable about a guy who's been saving up all of his stuff so that he never has to worry about anything, and then Jesus uh in luke's gospel he tags on the anxiety passage after that unlike this this guy who's just saved up all this stuff and then he dies and then it's just there and it served no purpose and he was just trying to get by with his doomsday life or whatever it is he's doing uh jesus is like don't don't live in that that kind of anxiety so here's how it's said in luke and i'm in luke 12 verse 22 Should you be the type that likes to read along? ESV, if that's helpful to you as well. He said to the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to the needy provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys for your where your treasure is there your heart will be also it's, uh, one of the tough passages in the Bible Because those are one of those passages where it seems like we're just supposed to kind of live (laughs) willy-nilly. Just kind of scrape by and and don't worry too much about it because Jesus is going to provide, right? God's going to provide. And yet we look around the world in places like Guatemala and we see that lots of people are struggling. They might try to get by on faith, but it sometimes seems like, is faith going to feed me? And we wonder, like as Christians, could we ever live that way? Especially as American Christians that are so used to having all this treasure stored up on earth to get us by so that we can live our best lives now and all, all these kinds of things. Can we do it? And you know what sucks is that saints throughout history have taught us that we can. <laughs> we were betrayed by people like St. Francis. We all kind of agreed together like, now ah, Jesus is just embellishing. We could, we could never get by. We've got to be a little anxious about life or everything will fall apart. And then St. Francis comes along and he's doing pretty well for himself. But then he gets saved. His heart is transformed. And he takes words like this seriously. And St. Francis decides, I'm going to live that kind of life. And then he just gives up everything. Pretty much takes off his clothes right there and walks off into the forest naked and becomes a saint. (laughs) And it was an order that started. There were a bunch of other people that saw what Francis was doing, and they became the Franciscans. They said, we want to live like that. We don't want all that anxiety. We want to be all in for God and just just expect that he's going to provide for us. And so the Franciscans developed. It was this group that that didn't try to ever store up anything. They just trusted that God would provide. And sure enough, He did. They were fed by people. They were taken care of, and they showed us all that it is possible to set aside our anxiety to trust in God and that He will provide, and that we can even be happy in that space. That's that's radical Christianity right there. We see that kind of Christianity. We say, mm, "I don't, I don't know if I want to, I want to do that." Instead, we gravitate towards another side of anxiety, saying, "Like I, I gotta stay anxious. I gotta." Expect that everything's going to go wrong, and I got to prepare for every kind of scenario into extremes. And we've seen the ways in which extreme anxiety can can create dysfunction. When you look at all the doomsday prepper type stuff, like kind of in that parable type thing, um, you just find yourselves with like I got to do everything I I can to keep things safe, and that can lead to another level of anxiety. There are really weird stories of Christian doomsday type stuff where Christians decide, like, we've figured it out. Jesus is coming back this day, and we don't want to be around because it's going to be bad, so our whole family is not going to get to that day, and then they do things to ensure that happens. Those stories hit the news. Anxiety can mess you up. Anxiety can make you crazy. Anxiety can, at its extreme, drive you to do insane things. Maybe you caught the movie Oppenheimer recently. That's very much a movie about anxiety. Everybody's at war. We got to get them before they get us. Who's going to be the first one to make an A-bomb? Who's going to be the first one to throw our anxiety out in the world and and hurt millions of people in the name of anxiety? And now, because of those moments, we live in a world where everybody has (laughs) A-bombs. Mutual destruction. Everybody's anxiety is ready to go in case somebody else presses their anxiety button Our world lives and breathes in that and Jesus calls us out of it to live differently Rather than to be fully worried about what our enemies will do to us to begin to change our minds repent Because repent means to radically change your mind begin to change our minds as to how we can love our enemies instead Now, I'll pause for a minute. I don't want to say that anxiety in itself is uh, just completely bad. I have heard messages before where people have got up on stage and just 100% said, if you have anxiety, you're a sinner. If you're anxious about anything, you're sinning against God. Don't you know you need to just let that go? And I think I uh, I would say that that's an extreme opposite reaction. All of us face anxiety. None of us are immune to it. Some of us get it hitting us less. But all of us will face it, including Jesus, I think. Because when Jesus knows that the cross is ahead of him, and he's trying to get his friends to stay up and pray with him, but they keep falling asleep on him, Jesus is out sweating drops of blood out of his forehead. I mean, I've been anxious before, but I've never done that. That, to me, is like a whole nother level of anxiety. So if you're facing anxiety, you have to recognize that Jesus has been there with you. The question, though, is, what do you do with your anxiety? Because Jesus had a specific way of dealing with it. Jesus' response was, Jesus' response was, God, I have this anxiety. I have this pain. Is there another way we can go about it? And Jesus' response upon knowing the answer was no, that the cross was ahead of him, his response became, okay, not my will be done, but your will be done. That probably didn't mean that Jesus was just suddenly like, all right, buck up. Let's go to the cross. Not at all. But he handled his anxiety in a different way. He turned it over to his father. He strived and worked towards not taking that in on himself. Because you know what would have happened if he took that anxiety in on himself? He wouldn't have gone that way. He would not have gone to the cross. I think Jesus' biggest temptation throughout all the Gospels, if you pay close attention, was to not go to the cross as soon as he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, the devil comes and tempts him. Here's all the countries of the world. This is what you're here for, right, Jesus? You want authority over all this. Well, I've got authority and I will give it to you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Jesus has a temptation. Find a different way than suffering. Find a different way than the cross to reign over the cosmos. And yet Jesus says, That we only worship God. And he continues forward. And then eventually he tells his disciples, Look guys, I'm going to die. It's coming. I know it's coming. He's dealing with the the anxiety ahead of time already. But he's turning it over to God. And then Peter comes along. And Peter's like, Whoa, far be it from you, Jesus. You're not going to die. Not you. That's never going to happen. This one's the eternal son of God. This is the one that's going to reign forever. You're not going to die. What's Jesus' response to Peter? Get behind me Satan for you have your mind set on the things of this world instead of the things of God Peter your anxiety is driving you to listen to Satan himself the same temptation that the devil gave me in the garden he is now speaking it through you to speak into my anxiety and turn me towards something else get behind me Satan and then Jesus is in the garden Is there another way we could go God? Is there any other possibilities? If Jesus listens to his anxiety, then Satan has a chance to walk into that moment and say, yes, there is another way. You can bow down and worship me. There's your Marvel parallel universe, multiverse Jesus right there. The Jesus that chose the other route. That, of course, doesn't exist because Jesus is perfect. That did not make his temptation and his anxiety any less. The question is not, is anxiety in itself sinful? Jesus faced it. We all face it. The question is, what do you do with it when you face it? Because a lot of people like to build their theology completely off anxiety. When I took a class about uh, 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 Violence and pacifism Everybody chose the violence route And when you ask them, like, why do you choose, like, violence as your theology It was, well, what if Hitler broke into my house and killed my family It's like, okay, Hitler's dead He's not going to break into your house Your theology is built off things that cannot happen in the first place (laughs) We're just thinking of like the worst things that could possibly happen and then we're building our understanding of Jesus and our theology off of the what ifs off of the the things that Satan could be saying to us rather than well how would Jesus have me respond The turn the other cheek thing the cast your fears and give them over to God that thing the don't be anxious that thing. And we can agree with Jesus and try to follow him those routes, or we can yield our minds to our anxiety that leads us to different theologies than what Jesus taught. All anxiety by itself is not sinful, but it can become that. In the same way, not all anger is sinful. In fact, there's a righteous kind of anger That you can have at injustice but anger when it's not yielded correctly it turns into sin it turns into bitterness and rage and it goes to extremes many things are like that many things are good until they are not taken care of and they turn into something else anxiety is like that and I've had to face that plenty throughout my life Um, when I was younger I've shared this before, but I would lie in my bed, like all through middle school, all through high school, maybe even elementary school, I would lie in bed and I would think about all the horrible things that I've done, which in comparison to adult Jamin, you're like, oh, kid, you're okay. (laughs) But younger Jamin's like, here's all the things, oh, oh God, why, look at all the sin I've committed, can you still love me, can you this, can you that? And I went through this for years years there's something interesting that happens that I learned when the anxious thought would come sometimes it felt religious in its first form Jamin you committed a sin would you like to repent of that yes I would oh but you're really bad aren't you oh yeah I am and then suddenly the the what started as just like a, a thought that could have gone a good way spiraled into another direction until I'm up For hours thinking of all these horrible things and calling myself names and thinking I'll never get out of this I'll never be better and so on and so forth you know what I had to learn to do to beat this I had to fall asleep with the TV on which from what I understand is not a good thing to do but it was a good spiritual discipline for me (laughs) or I had to fall asleep with music on I don't know how I did it but I would crank up POD to like 20 and then I would just lie in bed while, And I'm fast asleep in the corner I had to find things that distracted me Because I began to realize Those thoughts were intentionally coming to accuse me Those thoughts were trying to mess me up If it ever had good fruit It would have been worth following I remember sharing this with a a friend of mine um, Saying like I used to have these thoughts And they would drive me nuts And I had to learn to ignore them Or they would destroy me and my friend, who's a great spiritual leader, is like, whoa, you cannot ignore that stuff, Jamin. you got to get to the root of it, and you got to fix it. And I agree with that. Usually when I'm doing counseling with people, when it's me and them, we do that. We try to get to the root of it. But I have seen so many times that the enemy likes to work conversationally, that it starts somewhere, but it spirals somewhere else. I've, I've seen people deal with this with lust. They're trying to get out of pornography, and one of the things they're trying to do is get to the root. Okay, what caused me to look at that last night? Well, I think I was looking for this. Suddenly, what was supposed to be a good thing spirals into like a, well, why was I looking for that? And now you're thinking about looking at it, and now you're meditating on it, and then sure enough, within an hour or two, you're back into it. That should have been a good thing, but it spiraled a weird direction. Our thoughts have the capacity to do that. We gotta be careful, I think, sometimes of that, especially with anxiety, because it throws a thought at us trying to create a conversation, and then it goes back and forth until we're lost in it. Now sometimes, that's just the way your brain works. Neurons giving way to neurons, misfiring until suddenly your brain is in high alert load, you're in your amygdala, everything is falling apart, and you feel like you need to put it back together again. That's sometimes it's just science. But other times it is spiritual. In fact, there was a time recently where I was super caught up in anxious thoughts, and I gave my brain over them to them completely. And this was something that I felt like Jesus kept telling me. Jamin, you really gotta protect your thoughts right now. I had the phrase come to my mind that really just felt like the Holy Spirit baptize your ears, Jamin. And uh, I didn't do that. Often if I closed my eyes and just kind of daydreamed with the Holy Spirit, I would see my brain, like my skull coming apart, and a bunch of thoughts trying to enter it, and Jesus trying to like shut it close. Don't listen to those. Don't let those in. But I did. You know what happened when I gave myself over to those anxious thoughts, like completely? I had a terrible nightmare. One that I, like I could tell just from waking up from it, that this was not a normal dream. This was like a demonic attack. And I woke up, and I was so startled. I had to lie there on my bed, pray in tongues, and just pray, pray, pray until I figured out what was going on. And within a little bit, I started to understand what was going on. I took authority over those thoughts. I repented. I radically changed my mind. And I decided not to embrace the fear and anxiety anymore. But listen to what God was saying. Not to open up my skull and let every stray thought about fear come in. But to say, Jesus, you are the way. And you can handle this. And I need to let it go. There was maybe one more dream and then it stopped. And I could even feel the... Atmosphere the spiritual pressure change My mind was clear again after that So in a case like that That was even from a spiritual perspective From my own story You don't have to believe it if you don't want From my own story Feeling spiritual attacks of anxiety Listen to this thought Entertain this thought Keep listening until you are so afraid That you just lose it And have a breakdown now that doesn't have any fruit. When we live in the kind of anxiety that has us spending all kinds of money, has us hurting ourselves, has us spiraling out of control, has us awake all night, has us doing all these things, we need to find help. I know that there's medicines that help in this direction and I'm not against that. But I think oftentimes uh, these kinds of things that can have Roots that Jesus wants to deal with us, ourselves, in. There's a famous psychologist who wrote a book called uh, The Body Keeps a Score. Maybe you've heard of it or seen it at the store. I read through that this summer and this guy uh, deals with crazy trauma patients. I mean, the stories that he runs into are insane. And because they're so insane, he got to the point of medicating all of his clients as much as he could to try to keep things together. And then one day he realized I think I'm medicating too much. I think their brains are actually trying to deal with the trauma and I'm trying to turn that off. And they're not able to get to the root of what's wrong because I'm basically trying to get the brain to stop dealing with it. And so he changed his tactics. That's a psychologist that works in the medical field. It's a very Popular uh, psychological book And I, I think he's got a great point I think we do that sometimes I'm dealing with a Overexertion of anger I'm dealing with an overexertion of anxiety I'm dealing with Insert whatever you want here Therefore I'll get medicine to fix it Maybe that is the right route for you That's a conversation between you And your doctor and Jesus But I think sometimes we cover up the roots Of what we actually have to deal with When we do that There are several things in my life that I've often thought maybe I can find a medicine for this. Things that would bring me back into uh, feeling coherent again. But actually, as I gave myself over to the Holy Spirit over the years, he fixed those issues himself. He did what I don't know that medicine could have ever really done. He got to the roots of what I actually needed to be dealt with. And so discern that out, but listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll share one last story in that regard. Uh, and again, this is another one of those weird stories. It feels extreme. You don't have to believe it if you don't want. I was praying with someone once. We were trying to do some deliverance stuff, but it was so out of control. That I said, I think it's time to seek medical help. So they drove to the doctors. They sat in the parking lot. And uh, they prayed about it. Am I going in here? Is it time to really seek help to this level? And they just felt this urge from the Holy Spirit, like, no, go home. And they came back, and I was like, well, what are we supposed to do then? I don't, I don't, this is like beyond me. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what to do. So we start a counseling session, and they fall asleep during the counseling session. And then suddenly out of them, this soft, quiet, loving voice, while they are asleep, sleep talks out of them and says, do not seek medical help on this. The doctors will not understand. They will suffer even more. And then they woke up. (laughs) And I said, what would you just say? (laughs) I said, what, did I fall asleep? Uh, I guess. So... You're not going to the doctors. (laughs) I think the Holy Spirit needs us to handle this a different way. Sure enough, it took a lot of work. It was crazy hard. But we handled it in a way that uh, only the Holy Spirit could handle. Because of that, healing has come. The root has been dealt with. I know when I'm sharing stories like that, you can either lump me in a crazy category or you can go with it. You can do what you want. It's my story either way. Um, But I think that's often the case that we need with anxiety. God, I can take all these thoughts and I can just pull them right up to me and lose my mind. Or I can say, you can carry this and I need help trusting you because it's hard to believe that. Oftentimes it's hard to believe that because something has happened in your life that has said, the world is bad. Things go wrong you can't do anything about it and that could happen again and I can't disprove that to you that could happen again but even if it happens again the Holy Spirit is capable of carrying that with you and I have seen great freedom come in people's lives when they believe that so Jesus we come before you right now Um, None of us here are free from anxiety. Some of us carry it to an extreme. Some of us have a little bit of it. And many of us are dealing with a a fair amount of it every single day. It's heavy stuff, Jesus. You did not design the world to be anxious. You designed it to be good, where people loved each other. And anxiety never had to be created in the first place. But we let sin in, and now we face it on a regular basis. And we need your help because this thing's foreign to us. Teach us to live rightly. Teach us to know the difference between um, healthy fear and blown up fear. Help us to know when medicine's helpful or when we just need to get to the root of what's going on. Teach us what are the stories that keep us anxious? What are the lies that we've bought into throughout history that are are etching at our souls? What are the things that are stirring us up that we didn't even notice were there? And then would you bring healing to those areas, that it would bring healing to where we're headed and how we process things now? God oftentimes saying well you've got a problem pray about it does not feel helpful to any of us it's a very Christianese answer we need we need more we need your Holy Spirit we need her to teach us who we are and how to act so send your spirit to us that we would encounter you on another level and be freed in Jesus' name. Amen.